Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. You and I are called to be a blessing as physical sons and daughters of Abraham and those who have been joined to the people of Israel, sons and daughters of Abraham, are called to be like Abraham, and Abraham was called to be a blessing. We're called to bless other people. Be thou a blessing. That's one of the wonderful English translations of Genesis 12.2 that's captured by the Jewish Publication Society in its 1917 translation. There are many English translations that say, you will be a blessing, as if it's a future tense issue, when the Hebrew is really rendering an imperative, a command, be a blessing. Be a blessing to other people. And Genesis 12:2 puts it this way, I will make of thee, this is the JPS 1917 version, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and be thou a blessing. So smile at someone who you're sitting near, or you can see, and say, be thou a blessing. Your chance to use a little bit of old English, be thou a blessing. Be thou a blessing, be thou a blessing. This week's Torah portion includes the great instruction about blessing, so let's study that together and see also some examples of how Yeshua blessed the children of Israel. So you can turn to Numbers chapter six, verse 23. We'll read to verse 27. The Lord said to Moses, speak to Aaron and his sons and tell them this is how you are to bless the people of Israel. You are to say to them, Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. He said, that's how you're supposed to do it. And in this way, they are to put my name on the people of Israel so that I will bless them. So the instruction is, here's how to do it. And, and the Hebrew is pretty clear. This is how to do it. Speak these words. And of course, you can speak them in Hebrew, and you can speak them as well in English uh, or any other language that translates. It, it can be put this way, may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. That's one translation, but the root of uh, Yishmarecha is, may he be a watchman over you, may he guard you, may he protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you, and may he be gracious to you. May he show you his favor. May the Lord lift up his face to you. That's a, that's a picture of the Lord lifting his face because he recognizes you as you're coming towards him. He recognizes who you are to him. May the Lord lift up his face toward you and give you shalom. Shalom is a powerful word that means not only peace in the sense of the absence of conflict, 
but peace in the sense of the positive presence of goodness, of blessing, of fullness and completion. So the, the passage says this is how to do it, bless in this way. Thus you are to bless. You bless, it says, by speaking these words. We speak the words of blessing. And in this way, we place God's name on those who are blessing, and the Lord will bless them. So think about this. What a blessing it is to be guarded by the Lord, to be protected by the Lord. It's, it's so wonderful to know that he's, he's looking for you. His eyes search to and fro to those who are trusting him. He's looking for those who uh, need protection. He's rescuing, he's saving, he's protecting us in so many ways. And it's great to know this is one of the roles that the Lord takes on himself. He says, I'm gonna guard you. Now what I want you to do is bless each other with that blessing. It's sort of a prayer combined with a prophecy together. It's a declaration of a sort. It's, a, it's not just a request. It's, it's almost a statement, let it be like this. But the Hebrew doesn't really have a word like let. It's, it comes across more as an imperative, you know, like um, the Lord be a blessing to you. Rather than that wonderful archaic way of saying in English, you know, let the Lord bless you. You can say it in a nice clergy intonation that nobody uses except clergy. But when you learn to speak blessings in normal tones, in normal language, to people who need God's blessing, then you're entering into part of the call that Abraham has which is to be a blessing. And you bless by speaking blessings. You bless by doing things that, that bless people. You bless people by the attitude of your heart. When Sandy and I were working in the former Soviet Union and in Central Europe, often after a festival outreach, there would be hundreds, sometimes thousands of people who would come forward for some kind of prayer. And some of these people were giving their hearts to the Lord and some of them weren't sure what they were doing. But what was interesting was to try to discern how to pray for people. And Sandy and I would often ask the Lord to bring to us Jewish people who he wanted us to pray for. And so when people would come to us, we would ask them a very simple question. We would say, is it all right if we pray to God and ask him to bless you? And do you know 100% of the people said yes? No one refused us. And we would pray gently, but we would try to hear the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've had this experience, you're praying for people, and the Holy Spirit begins to give you some kind of nudge or guidance or some direction to, to pray in? How many have had that experience? You, you thought maybe you would pray one way, but the Spirit of God showed you how to pray. And so we would have that experience. We didn't pray in unknown tongues over those people because it might have been startling to them. Well, sometimes we did pray 
that way. But generally, we prayed in English, sometimes in Hebrew, and sometimes with an interpreter, sometimes without. But we would ask the Lord to bless them. And I can tell you this. So many times when we were praying for, for people in this way, the Lord would pour out such grace and mercy upon the people we were praying for that perfect strangers that they were, they would just start crying. They would cry because their hearts were touched. They, they would cry because they were receiving into their hearts blessing. Not correction, not rebuke, not being told as the anti-Semites had told them for so long that uh, they were dirty Jews or they were bad because they were Jewish, but blessing them, blessing them with the power to bless which God has given to us. And I can tell you there are times when you'll meet people and you realize you, you want to pray a blessing we would always ask permission. We would never do it presumptuously. And we would never even touch them without permission. You know, sometimes in, in believer circles, it's very common. You just lay hands on people and you start praying for them. And if you've been around long enough, you get used to that. But with perfect strangers, it could be uh, quite uncomfortable for a, another stranger to put their hands on you. And so sometimes we would ask, is it, is it all right if we just bless you and, and uh, touch your shoulder or, or could we lay our hands on your heads and pray for you? And again, people would say yes out of uh, a sincere desire to receive a blessing. It reminds me of what Paul said about um, the authority that God gives us. It, it's in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 8. He says, our authority is to build you up. It doesn't tear you down. And I'm not ashamed to use my authority. You see, Paul understood something that uh, to serve others by praying for them to serve others by using the power and authority that God had, had given to him, to use it in a way that is useful for them, that this is a positive thing. This is a, an important thing. We should never be ashamed. He said, I'm not ashamed. He wasn't ashamed of having authority. He wasn't ashamed of exercising leadership on behalf of other people. He wasn't trying to control them. He was trying to build them up. And I can tell you this. This is the heritage that Abraham gives us, that the Lord has called Abraham to, to be a servant of all people and a servant of all nations. Yeshua said, you want to be the greatest? Be the servant of all. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be a servant. There was a time when his disciples, actually there were many times when his disciples were arguing which of them was the greatest. Who should sit next to the boss? And even you remember that time when the Jewish mother got involved. You know that's not fair to get Jewish mothers involved. 
And she wanted her boys to sit next to Yeshua. She wanted her boys to have the best position. You can understand. It's a good Jewish mother's attitude. But it got wrapped up in wrong understandings as well. And the disciples um, many times were arguing who was better than whom, who was worse than whom. It's like they're a bunch of brothers who are fighting with each other sometimes. Well, Yeshua said about authority that they misunderstood authority. They, they were thinking about it the way that the nations do, not the way the sons and daughters of Abraham, the sons and daughters of Isaac, the sons and daughters of Jacob are to think of authority. That authority is not, is not that kind of force that just controls people. It edifies, it serves, it blesses. On the other hand, it is decisive. It does take responsibility. That's one of the messages of this week's Torah portion. Everyone was given responsibility. Everyone had to take responsibility for specific parts of community life in serving to God. And the Levites, who many people think, oh, this was the worship team. Not only, it was the sound team also. It was the setup team and the preparation team. And uh, there were many Levites who are mentioned in this week's Torah portion who were from the schlepper group. They schlepped things from here to there. They carried stuff. They set stuff up. That was, those were my boys. We didn't get, we got no musicality. We got the ability to carry stuff from here to there. Set it up, take it down. That's your job. Well, Paul recognized his authority was meant to be used to build up, not to destroy or to tear down. And that's a key component of blessing. We bless in order to build up. We bless in order to edify. Uh, the Jewish pattern of blessing is, is an interesting one, especially the pattern of blessing God. Uh, speaking well of God, it's a way of acknowledging that we've received blessings from him and we are acknowledging that he's the source of blessings. When, when we had the Kiddush tonight and we said uh, the blessing, that's a blessing over wine, but it's not a blessing of wine. It's a blessing of the Lord. The, the words Baruch Adonai mean blessed are you, Lord. Blessed are you. We're not praying, Lord, bless this wine. We're saying, Lord, you're blessed. We bless you. You're the source of this wine. And when we make the bracha, hamotzi, bracha tadanai lehenu melechalam, hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz, we're saying, blessed are you, Lord, our God, king of the universe, who brings forth bread, from the earth. We're not saying, Lord, bless this bread. Now, I know there are times when the food that you're about to eat needs some blessing. <laughs> but the typical pattern, the Jewish pattern, is to bless God. Baruch Atah, blessed are you. So we're not saying, oh Lord, bless this challah, oh Lord, bless this. We're saying, Lord, 
You are blessed, and you're the source of this blessing. Before we partake of something, we bless the Lord for what um, he has given to us. Baruch Adonai, blessed are you. Now when we speak blessings to other people, we learn that our words, when they're spoken clearly and, and intentionally, can be instruments of blessing. That's why the, the Aaronic benediction, the blessing of the children of Israel is so important, because it's, it's teaching not just the only words that can be used, but some words that establish a pattern. Think about what you want those you're praying for to have. You want them to have blessings from God, right? And so you say that. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May the Lord show favor to you and be gracious to you. May the Lord do all these things. May the Lord lift up his face to you. May the Lord give you Shalom. You're, you're speaking words intentionally and purposefully that help you understand a pattern for how to bless. You bless with what you want the person to have. Words are powerful. Words are important. One of the great tragedies of life one of the saddest things I've experienced is to be with adult men who never heard from their fathers that their father loved them. Or to be with adult women who had the same experience. They never heard from their father that he loved them. And they tried to rationalize it. Oh, you know, he was a man of few words. Oh, he showed me. But I can tell you this, blessing with words that is matched with deeds, this is a great thing. And people need to hear. People need to hear. That's why this blessing in number six is in the form of speaking. Speak these words. Don't just think these thoughts. Don't just have these feelings, but speak these words. Tell your children you love them. Tell your friends you value them. Tell other people they're important to you. Sometimes people come up to me and they tell me something that I did that had an impact on them that was positive. And you know what I do? I, I try to say thank you. And, and to say thank you because you're encouraging me when I hear those things. I, I used to practice this kind of spiritual false humility and just say, well, it was the Lord. And it's true that the blessings are from the Lord. But it's more than that. The Lord wants to use people to be a blessing. The Lord said to Abraham, be a blessing. Do you think the Lord was serious? Yes. Yeah, the Lord wanted Abraham to be known as a person who blessed other people. And he has that reputation. In the same way, when someone does something good and you tell them, they could, maybe you're the one who's encouraging them. I tell people thank you, and I tell people 
that they encourage me because I'm happy to hear that. Now, I don't need to hear it. I've gone uh, long periods of time in many situations where I didn't get thanks or appreciation, and I'm sure you have too. And we, we should be able to maintain our own motivation even if people don't speak such words to us. However, it's nice when people say something that acknowledges. Do you agree? If someone says thank you, if your boss at work says thank you, you did something really well, it was really important, that makes a difference, right? Yeshua, Yeshua practiced blessing. He practiced blessing other people to the consternation of his own disciples. This was something they didn't quite appreciate. So we have three different gospel accounts that parallel each other where parents are bringing children to Yeshua and they want Yeshua to touch them, to lay hands on them, to pray for them, to bless them. And the disciples in each of the accounts, um, the disciples have the same reaction. Go away, you're bugging the master. Go away, this is unimportant. What are you doing? Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16 is one example. Now people were bringing the little children to Yeshua for him to place his hands on them and the disciples rebuked those who brought them. So that's, in one sentence, it captures this, this moment. Parents are happily bringing their children, and the disciples, and you know what disciples, Talmudim means those who follow the way of their master. So these are supposed to be disciples. They're learning discipleship the hard way. This may be remedial discipleship class, I'm not sure. The disciples rebuke those who brought them. It doesn't give us concrete, uh, a concrete account of what they said that was rebuke. It just uses that term, they rebuke them. But when Yeshua saw this, he was indignant. It says in verse 14, and he told them, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. He blessed them. He spoke words of blessing. Another dimension, another layer of meaning is he conferred what is useful. That's what blessing means as well. Another account, Matthew 19, starting in verse 13. One day some parents brought their children to Yeshua so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Get that. The disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. They had a gross misconception, a serious misunderstanding of what was bothering Yeshua. 
It didn't bother Yeshua that the parents were bringing the children. What bothered Yeshua is that the disciples were stopping the parents, stopping the children, hindering them and rebuking them. And he said, this is verse 14, let the children alone and don't hinder them from coming to me for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And after laying his hands on them, then he departed from them, that, from there rather. That's an interesting detail. He laid hands on them, he prayed for them, he blessed them, and he wasn't ready to go onto the next task or event until he did this, until he prayed for the children. Isn't that interesting? And the disciples were thinking it was a waste of time. But Yeshua thought it was a priority. And then the last account, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 15. Now people were even bringing their babies to Yeshua for him to place his hands on them. Now this made it even worse, you know, because babies are not always quiet, you know, they can, you know. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked those who brought them. But Yeshua called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Yeshua called the children to him, let the little children come to me. I think, among other things, Yeshua was teaching his disciples that ministry to children is a high priority. Yeah, they weren't thinking that. They were thinking it was unimportant. They may have thought, well, I'm not called to children's ministry. They may have thought, Yeshua is not called to children's ministry. And what would we say to that? As my friend Peter Monticelli would say, taking two V's made with his fingers together, forming a W, and he would say, wrong. <laughs> wrong, they were just wrong. Yeshua was trying to get his disciples to understand how important ministry to children is. Well, I wanna close with one passage that speaks about blessing, words of blessing. Yeshua's last actions and last words before he returned to heaven. It's in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 44 and going to verse 53. And remember, this is Yeshua who's been raised from the dead. And he's speaking to his disciples. He said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things which are written about me in the Torah from Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled, must be brought to completion. And then he opened their minds to understand the Tanakh. How many of you in verse 45 in your English translation have the word Tanakh there? Good. What, ver what version are you reading from? David Stern. Who's reading from a different version that has Tanakh? What version David Stern's Complete Jewish Bible or the Jewish New Testament. Yeah, I think the Greek says the scriptures, but ask yourself this, what were the scriptures? At that moment, 
the, the only scriptures were the Tanakh. And so it's accurate that he opened their minds to understand the Tanakh, but understand this, he was talking about the Torah, the prophets of the Psalms. He was, he was not talking about New Testament writings, he was talking about the Jewish scriptures, the scriptures that had already been put into writing and given to the Jewish people. He opened their minds to understand the Tanakh, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. So this was taking place, as you know, right before Shavuot, and the disciples were being instructed, stay in Jerusalem, stay together, and wait for the promise of the Father, wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon you, and then you'll be clothed with power from on high. And it continues, verse 50, he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed. Some translations say bless them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, while worshiping him, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising God. So this is his last moment with his disciples. And there are two things he's doing. One, he's opening their minds to understand the Tanakh to comprehend the big picture of the Tanakh so that they can see the details. And then they could comprehend what the Tanakh says about Messiah. Do you remember the thing that they had the hardest uh, time embracing that teaching of Yeshua that Messiah needed to suffer? They didn't agree. They thought Messiah was going to be king by vanquishing the Romans. They did not understand that Messiah would show his kingship by vanquishing the power of sin and death over his disciples. But he had to, to do that first. At this point, he's getting ready to return to heaven, and he opens their minds to comprehend the scriptures. I remember when I read this when I was... Um, I had been a believer for, for some time, but I was being drawn into the Messianic movement. And I read this and I said, oh God, open my mind. Open my mind to comprehend the Tanakh. Open my mind to see it more clearly, more fully, to see the details and the big picture. Open my mind so that I can understand the scriptures which speak to our people about Messiah. And I'm so glad that, that he did this. You see, it's important for this to happen because in, in important ways, what the Tanakh says about Messiah is different from popular concepts in Jewish traditions. And so it's important to have our minds opened up so that we can grasp 
what um, the scripture has to say about Messiah. And then his last act, think of it. He lifts up his hands, which is the traditional posture for blessing, and he blesses the disciples. And while he's blessing, if, I, if I'm reading it right, while he's blessing, he starts ascending, returning to heaven while he's speaking words of blessing. I think you'd never forget that. I think that would make a lasting impression. The resurrected Messiah has just prayed over his disciples, and now for the first time they're getting it. It's like, oh man, we were so stupid when we were arguing with you about suffering, because we thought suffering meant that you suffer and things go bad. We didn't know that you could suffer and overcome in order to set things right. We didn't understand it. We, oh, we were so stupid. To this day, there are many Jewish people who, who argue that Yeshua can't be the Messiah because he suffered. Which is not what the Tanakh says. So here, Jewish tr- tradition needs to realign itself with the scriptures. And then the last thing, he's out of sight. You know, he's blessing his disciples and then he's gone. And I think that probably mitigated all their sense of abandonment, which he was concerned with and had expressed at the last Seder that they had. He said, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I have to return to heaven in order to send the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be alone. And surely, after he died, they thought everything had failed. But when he rose again, they thought, well, maybe, maybe it didn't fail. Maybe he is the Messiah. And then... You know, they want him to stay, and he says, I can't stay. I have to go to complete the work of Messiah, which includes sending the Holy Spirit to you. And I have to return to heaven for that, so that the Holy Spirit can be poured out on all of you. And there was no time for argument. And while he's blessing them, and I, I know the scripture doesn't say how he blessed them or what he did, other than it was verbal. But I have the feeling he was blessing them with authority and he was blessing them with servant leadership. He was blessing them with courage. He was blessing them with faith. He was blessing them with minds that would open up and hearts that would open up to the words of the scripture. He was blessing them with perseverance. I imagine all that just because I know what they needed at that time. But while he's blessing them, he then ascends, and I had the feeling there was no room for fear at that moment. Oh, yes, but not fear about their own future, but more like, what an awesome God. What a day this has been. We'll never forget this day. And I think that prepared them so that they were able to stay in Jerusalem together and to pray, to be of one mind, one heart. You know, that's a miracle when Jewish people can agree. We have a saying, two Jews, three opinions. 
Yeah, what do you do with 70 or 100 and, you know, 20 or... Ay, ay, ay. The miracle of agreement. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when the brothers and the sisters, it's a comprehensive, inclusive word, are together in unity. I think it equipped them. I think it prepared them. I think it changed them to experience the Lord like that so that they could then be bold in the power of the Holy Spirit and move forward in the call that God had given them to be a blessing by proclaiming the good news of Messiah, by teaching the Jewish people in Jerusalem, by teaching the people, um, the Jewish people outside of Jerusalem, and by teaching the nations all that Messiah had done, all that he is doing and all that he will do, so that they could spread the good news of Messiah and that those who became disciples could become blessers as well. Now I want you to think about one last thing. Who in your life needs blessing who doesn't deserve it? Can you, can you make the short list? You can start by thinking of the people who have mistreated you, discounted you, disrespected you, persecuted you, Yeshua said, bless those people. If you have a long list, God bless you. <laughs> but if you have a short list, it's like, wow, I can think of someone who, who, who didn't treat me right. And I want to tell you, you can move in the power of blessing that God has for you. Bless those people who mistreated you. Bless them with what they need. If they failed you in some way. Think about the attribute they need from God. The faith, the faithfulness, the kindness, the consideration. Um, and bless them. Ask the Lord to pour out his blessings so that they can be blessed. It's better to bless than to curse. And to Pray blessings of favor from the Lord, grace from the Lord. And you know, grace and favor are not deserved. They're not merited. Let's pray that we will take this to heart, that we could bless those all around us and that they would be blessed. Lord, thank you for being such an example to us. You bless. Thank you, Lord, that you teach us about blessing. Lord, we want to be true disciples of Messiah. We want to be true sons and daughters of Abraham. And we pray that we would have hearts that bless. Show us how to bless prophetically with power that's transformative according to the blessing that you give us that builds up and doesn't tear down. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. So we're gonna close the service as we do with Aaron's blessing. I ask you to rise.
Thank you, Cantor, for joining me. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ya'era Adonai panave lecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai panave lecha v'yasem lecha shalom. Amen. Shabbat shalom.